Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Midtown Atlanta, it's time for Top Docs Radio, brought to you by Medical Association of Georgia. With over 7,800 physician members, MAG is pleased to advocate on behalf of Georgia's patients and physicians. Visit mag.org and on Twitter at mag1849. Join the conversation on Twitter at Top Docs on BRX. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is C.W. Hall, your host here on the Top Docs Radio Show. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. A while back, one of my first shows back in 2014, I hosted uh, a roundtable of ladies who were breast cancer survivors talking about their experiences. Each had a, a little bit of a different story to tell with regards to where they were able to catch their disease and um, their treatment courses were as you would expect, different along the way uh, with at least one of them requiring uh, significant surgery and radiation along with chemotherapy. And and, uh, in that conversation, one of the things that one of those ladies that had a more aggressive treatment regimen talked about was the difference that she realized when she was referred finally for uh, rehabilitation care at Turning Point. And uh, the Turning Point Breast Cancer Rehabilitation uh, talked very highly about it, ex- uh, talked about the experience of um, making significant progress and people that really just seemed to know uh, and understand what she was going through so that they could really effectively guide their care. And so I was very interested in learning more about it, had the opportunity to meet Jill Binkley and, and some of the folks at Turning Point to begin to introduce people to what they're doing there and today. Uh, we have Jill Binkley, and founder and executive director of Turning Point Breast Cancer Rehabilitation with us. Today. Thank you for having me here. It's great to be here again. Yeah. Here we are after the holidays already and uh, hard to believe that we're sliding towards the end of the year. And for folks who aren't familiar with your story, talk about what inspired you to actually launch this program and, and make it available for folks who are dealing with breast cancer? Because I know uh, you have a story around breast cancer in your own experience. I do. I went through breast cancer myself in 2000. And uh, at the time I was 42, just told everyone my age. I had three kids ranging from eight to 13 at the time. And it just rocks your world. You just have, I was healthy, exercised, did all the right things, no family history. And just completely shocked when I was diagnosed. I was a physical therapist. My husband's in the medical community as well. And so you would think that we would be able to figure this out. And we were both, again, quite shocked um, and overwhelmed at some of the physical and emotional side effects of my treatment on myself, my husband, my family, and everyone around us. What I also found was that there was a huge gap in the care. My medical team got to work and I went through surgery and chemo and radiation and the whole nine yards. I was just very surprised that there was no one out there that could help me with some of the, especially the physical issues at that time, unable to move my arm. I was told not to exercise because it might cause some things like lymphedema, swelling of the arm. I just, there was really very little information and really minimal support out there. And that's what inspired me to make a change in that. So you're saying that as you went through the surgery and the treatments that you had, part of the recovery phase was, I guess, recommending some form of rehabilitation services. Is that what you're saying? And in that process, that's when you began to encounter folks that weren't necessarily 
adept at handling some of the issues that would come along with the things you'd gone through in that course of therapy? Exactly. Either healthcare providers, including my own profession, physical therapists, may not get taught this area in school. They may not be familiar with it. But there was also just a lack of it. There wasn't people around doing this. There still is a lack of it nationally in terms of specialists in breast cancer rehabilitation, physical therapists, massage therapists, counselors, dietitians who really understand the journey of breast cancer and some of the side effects of treatment. There was a shortage. There was just no one available. Talk about the distinction, because as you say, there there must be some measure of either knowledge and understanding of things that say what radiation therapy is going to be doing to musculature and connective tissue and different things like that around, you know, how it's going to affect range of motion and all those things. Talk about the distinction between somebody, because from what I understand, you became a bit of a flag bearer with regards to developing talent around this sort of niche in rehabilitation, because people now, I guess you're, you're one of those folks, your organization is one where people can learn how to do this. Exactly. We have become a flag bearer, as you say, for breast cancer rehabilitation. We've worked with the American Cancer Society, um, bringing together experts that um, have put together position papers that all patients should be referred for this kind of care. At the same time, we were developing our skill and, and talent, as you say, in the breast cancer rehabilitation field. It's basically taking a healthcare provider that understands, a physical therapist who understands the orthopedic sports injuries world. Many of us come from that area. It's adding to it a knowledge about some of the different uh, surgeries, which would be um, quite different than what we'd be used to in the orthopedic world, some of the breast cancer reconstruction surgeries in particular. Also, some of the unique things that happen in breast cancer, having lymph nodes removed, uh, having radiation, uh, specific changes on connective tissue, and then changes uh, with respect to um, chemotherapy like fatigue. There's a, a huge role for us to play in that. For example, we know that exercise decreases fatigue during and after chemotherapy, but very few women are provided with that information. So someone knowledgeable in the field can really give that information to a patient and really help them embrace some of the things that we know really reduce these treatment side effects. Outside of your environment, are you saying that there's even some folks that say, take it easy, don't don't overdo it, that kind of thing? I'm, I came from a background in surgical nursing long ago, uh, post-cardiac intensive care, uh, after heart surgery, that kind of thing, and, and after abdominal surgeries like AAAs and so forth, and they're getting those patients up, making them walk. It's uncomfortable. Is that what we're saying here, that take it easy, don't go, don't strain things, and we're kind of maybe mistakenly suggesting that we don't do some of those things, do some exercise and move around? In some cases, you're right. We actually probably overdo the take it easy. There's definitely the healing period after surgery, no question. Um, for several weeks after surgery, we want people to heal, but we still want them moving. Uh, so you're right. It comes from some of the other areas, orthopedics that we used to you know, put in, in splints and casts that we don't anymore. <laughs> right. uh, the same in the cardiac rehab area. Um, exercise is a, is, a, is, a, is a big, important factor. So there's some of that still out there. There's also a lot of myths around not exercising because it might cause or create or trigger lymphedema, mm. which is the swelling it's, of the arm. Totally counter to what is going to happen it's, when you're moving, right? It's counter to it, yeah. um, but it still lingers out there. Um, it's still something that women fear a lot of, and there's still a lot of misinformation uh, in the healthcare community as well as 
in when you read on the internet about lymphedema, people it'll say, you know, be careful. You don't exercise too much. And we know from research project after research project that that's actually not the case. I've been talking with the founder and executive director of Turning Point Breast Cancer Rehabilitation, Jill Binkley, with me in the studio, learning about how, through her own experience as a breast cancer survivor and uh, as an individual who was a physical therapist by nature, began to see opportunities to change the way that patients who are dealing with breast cancer and some of the treatments that go along with that, how they are rehabilitated through various movements. And and not only that, but I, I know that at, at Turning Point Breast Cancer Rehabilitation, there's also some measure of emotional support as well, that you're providing some support group opportunities for people to take part in some educational offerings. You're not just physical rehabilitation around breast cancer. No, it's very much comprehensive in that even the physical therapy part is done in an atmosphere where we're addressing the emotional and, and psychosocial issues of breast cancer and its treatment. We do offer um, counseling. We offer support group, particularly for women with metastatic breast cancer. We also offer massage. And so something like massage is really crossing both the emotional um, and physical aspects of a breast cancer journey. Uh, has been shown to really decrease um, stress and decrease the inflammatory response that we sometimes are um, really looking at these days related to breast cancer treatment. So we all work together. Um, The other part of the emotional impact of breast cancer is just knowledge. Having someone tell you that this is normal and we can fix it and it won't last forever. Um, An example of that might be a woman who comes in and she can't lift her baby because she's just had surgery she's fatigued, and we can really kind of normalize that, if you will, that this is usual, we can fix this. It, that in itself is is quite um, a breath of fresh air for someone who's, you know, really um, going through this journey and having a tough time. With it being more than just physical rehabilitation that you're providing, at what point do you get involved in the patient's process of care? Is it more after the surgery if they've had it? Or are you getting referred patients by your colleagues in oncology around the community earlier in their treatment to be able to take advantage of some of those other things that you're talking about, maybe more of the the emotional support and education, things like that? The typical patient is referred to us, I would say, average about three weeks after surgery. Okay. But we do see women three, four, five years out from their surgery and, and treatment. So it ranges, and we're happy to see those women at any point in time. If we see someone after surgery, we may um, be helping them uh, to get range of motion back, get back to exercise and so on. And then they may be finished with us for a little while and then come back um, through uh, when they're having radiation or chemotherapy. And when it comes to getting to you, I assume that you're you're like many specialty type services where you're going to need a referral from a local physician. Uh, I assume that's coming from the oncology community, but probably not exclusively. I know that uh, internal medicine and family practice will follow up these patients for a period of time. But after 13 years, how is your referral network built up? Is it being well supported now by the oncologic community and people that are following these patients? We're well supported. Um, We have, um, I would say it's safe to say that most um, oncologists, radiation oncologists, and plastic surgeons in Atlanta know about us now. It's been a long haul because it wasn't part of the standard um, practice or standard routine care for patients. So we've knocked on a lot of doors over the years. Um, We've built that up. We have a wide 
uh, source of of referrals. We do need a referral, as you said, but that's not usually difficult to get. It's really just the initial hooking us up with patients. Um, And in some cases, it it may be something that a, a doctor just doesn't think about. They know about us, but don't think about it. So getting out in the community and talking about it on shows like this and anytime we get a chance to tell people about Turning Point and that women don't have to live with these kinds of issues, um, we have women call us um, routinely from from that kind of community outreach. When it comes to that medical community, obviously, as you were saying, that you've you've enjoyed uh, building a, a pretty robust referral base. But for the doctors who may be seeing some of these patients in their care, aren't yet familiar, haven't maybe engaged in the program, and that patient or their loved one is trying to do some self-advocacy, is there a picture of what the person looks like that may need to get involved with Turning Point so that they can say, hey, would you send us over? Or they can, as you're talking about, just call you and explore uh, I'm sense. sorry, you mean a picture of a patient? that what, might, yeah, yeah, just what does the person look like that needs you? Mm-hmm. The women that we see that are coming in later that have maybe heard about us, um, maybe still having ongoing issues with um, not able to lift their shoulder fully, not sure what to do in terms of exercise. Should I go back to the gym or not go back to it? Um, may have some lingering depression and anxiety. One of the things we see from an emotional emotional perspective is that When treatment is done, we celebrate that with a person going through breast cancer, but then they're kind of left. They've had all these appointments. They've had people taking care of them. It can be really a low moment um, from the point of view of, so now what? Um, There's no test to tell us that, yeah, we're clear. We just (laughs) hope for the best. So it, it might be sort of those lingering anxieties and not feeling as joyous as you'd expect to be at the end of breast cancer treatment. So all those kinds of things, physical, uh, emotional, um, having difficulty getting back to your usual um, lifestyle and work, those would be the kind of things that we can help with. And when it comes to what my regimen is like as a patient, tell me once I'm in, in your care, what is what can I expect? How is it going to flow? So we typically start with uh, seeing a physical therapist. And again, we're all specialized in uh, breast cancer rehabilitation. So we know all the surgeries. We know about the chemo that you're on. And we do a physical exam. That helps us identify some things that a woman may not have even realized that we can actually help with. A lot of times they think, oh, I'll have to live with this. Mm-hmm. So, so we go from that point of view. We will always talk to a woman about exercise because it's been shown to decrease our risk of recurrence. It helps with many of the side effects of treatment, including fatigue. So that'll be sort of the, fir- the first part. Then when we explore with a, a patient, um, we start to think about, you know, would counseling help? What are you doing in terms of of weight management? Um, We know that increased weight, uh, increased BMI, increases people's risk of recurrence, so we want to address that. Many people um, going through chemotherapy um, have a significant amount of weight gain, which is Mm -hmm. kind of counterintuitive. So we would address those kinds of things next, perhaps a referral or it's not so official as a referral, but having someone make an appointment for a massage or a counselor um, or to see our dietitian about um, any kinds of aspects of nutrition. So from there, we introduce um, other things. We have um, a a yoga class. Uh, (laughs) We also have a weekly Pilates class when they're ready for that. And we do monthly education programs and they address different kinds of survivorship issues 
and how we might deal with them, what the research shows, and they're all free of charge. We want to just be very open and reduce barriers to getting empowered by that kind of information. You started off as a physical therapist. You're in a leadership role now. How do you fit fit into that? Are you still doing rehabilitation care yourself or how are you engaging with your patients? I am. I don't see nearly as many patients as I used to. Um, we kind of laugh. I used to know all the patients because I saw them myself and often I don't anymore um, know everyone that comes through our doors. So I do still have a very small patient uh, caseload just because of time commitments and, as you say, and being in a leadership role and trying to keep the wheels on the bus. Uh, because we're a nonprofit, um, we have a number of programs that reduce barriers to care. So I'm also, you know, head fundraiser and um, grant, grant writer with other staff, of course. So I'm doing a lot of other things in terms of nonprofit management. With this type of care, is my insurance going to pay for a good portion of this like it would other types of rehabilitation services, I guess? So insurance pays for, in general, insurance mm-hmm. pays for physical therapy, just as if you were coming to us with a shoulder problem. Um what we do find, though, is often insurance doesn't cover the full cost of the kind of care we give you. Mm. So we set aside an hour when we're going to do initial assessment and nearly an hour for every appointment you would have with us. And so insurance typically does not cover the cost of that, um, both the overhead, the staffing, and so on. Where we bump that up is with being a nonprofit. We have donors and fundraisers and so on to kind of bump up so that we can continue to offer that complex care. The other area um, where insurance may or wouldn't cover is things like a Pilates class specialized for breast cancer patients or an education program. And those kinds of things are, are covered with other kinds gotcha. of funding streams. I see. And when it comes to the people around the patient themselves, the significant others, husband, wives, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever the case may be, their their children, how do, how do those come into play? Are they a part of this picture in some way or is it really focused on the patient? That's a great question. Um, it's a little of both. There are some family members or a close supportive um, friend who may be com- very much involved and be in the room, in the treatment room and want to be involved and see what they can do at home for the patient. There's other patients that on that really want this. This is their time with someone who's an expert and really want to take that on themselves. And we can be that support where they don't have to continue to lean on their family for the kind of support. So it just depends on the patient, whether they want the person involved. They're obviously welcome to. Now that you've been doing what you're doing for over 10 years, and as we've talked about earlier on in our conversation, the fact that you've been a leader and been able to help educate providers of rehabilitation services around the community um, and nationally. What does the landscape look like now? Are there more centers that are providing this kind of care, whether it's through their traditional PT services and maybe having some more refined offerings within that department or other freestanding centers like yours? On one hand, there's definitely still a huge need. There's no way that we are able to serve all the patients going through breast cancer Since it's one in eight women and then some men as well, there's no way that we have our rehabilitation infrastructure ready for that, but we're working on it. So if you sort of look back when we started in 2003, there's a lot more facilities and 
professionals out there that would know what to do when a woman came to them or man came to them with breast cancer. So um, probably over the years, we've had, we ourselves have educated several hundred healthcare providers around the country and in Canada who've come to our courses and conferences and heard us speak and so on. So we've made strides, but it's still, I don't know, I hate to say it, but it might still be a, a tip of the iceberg. Are you still the only one of your kind here? Yes. As to my knowledge, we're the intriguing. only one of its kind in the United States being a nonprofit focused on advocacy and education as well as patient care. I, I think it's pretty safe to say we're the only ones in the United States. And we're certainly the only comprehensive breast cancer rehab and exercise center um, in Atlanta. Um, different places will offer programs. I'm, it's not that there's nothing out there, but right. we're all under one roof. When it comes to the research side of things, I know that Turning Point Breast Cancer Rehabilitation does collaborate with local academic institutions, which we have a number, and you've got some things going on now around that. You want to talk a little bit about some of the research that you're participating in through the center? Sure. Um, We've spent many years um, participating with um, the Avon Breast Center at Grady Hospital um, on some research that both... um, increases their access to care. Um, We were actually doing physical therapy on site and training some of their physical therapists in this area. Um, And so that's really helping to serve inner city and minority women. And that's an ongoing um, kind of project and relationship. We're excited about a project that we're doing right now with um, Georgia Tech, the biomedical um, engineering department at Georgia Tech is working to develop a really interesting and very innovative system of measuring arm volume. So I mentioned lymphedema, which is a condition that affects about 30% of women after breast cancer. Uh, It's a chronic swelling of the arm, kind of one of our most feared side effects of treatment because it's a very visible Mm -hmm. um, reminder to us and everybody around us that we've gone through something like breast cancer. One of the Things we know from research is that with early identification, we can be much more effective at, at treating it and managing it. So it's very hard to actually detect it um, before you can actually see obvious swelling. We have an, a piece of equipment called a parometer at turning point. It was donated by a patient, and but it costs $20,000. So you're not going to have that in a rural hospital right. or a place where there's just not the volume of patients yes. to justify it. So we're doing a project with Georgia Tech. They're working on a system. It's actually based on Xbox technology, which is really fun and interesting, taking three-dimensional pictures. And in my sort of non-technical <laughs> way, I can describe basically the, the high level is the software they've used to develop it. It takes three-dimensional images of both arms and compares them. And it looks like it's very promising in being able to detect lymphedema or arm swelling, certainly as as as, as much as our $20,000 parameter. And the hope is that it will be much less expensive and much more accessible um, to patients then. So then that would give that many more people that early access to the treatment that you're talking about Absolutely. so that they can hit it off at the pass. Exactly. Now, we, we, we talked about the fact that you are a nonprofit. You do rely on support from the community. Talk a little bit about that side. I know that coming up around the corner is your big annual event that you, um, one of the big ways that you drive funds towards being able to provide the services that you do. You want to talk a little bit about that? And then what maybe who are you looking to engage with, uh, whether it's a cor- corporate relationship of some kind that might support you or, or individuals who are just philanthropic? 
both. We have an event every year. It started about the same time as, as we started back in 2003. It's called the Pink Affair. It's every March. It is March 11th this year, 2017, and we're working to prepare for that. Um, we have a dinner, a silent auction, a live band and dancing. It's a really fun evening. Uh, it's not a stuffy evening. And we've tried to, you know, create that. It's a lot of fun. And it's our big fundraiser that we do every year. We have great teams of um, volunteers um, who care a lot about Turning Point. Often they're former patients or someone who's heard about us through a patient. So it's, it's, um, very unique and and heartwarming, really, to have people giving back to us who've used our services. So we put this on uh, every year, and as I said, it's it's just a, it's a great event. So we ha- we're looking for corporate sponsors, and we're also looking for people to come and join us at the event. There's lots of information available um, on our website. If you don't mind, I'll throw oh, that please. out there. It's um, www.myturningpoint.org. Our phone number is 770-360-9271. If people want more information, they can ask for me or anyone in, uh, at Turning Point will um, direct them the right direction if they're interested in hearing more about it. And I assume you need to register for the event coming up in March as well, RSVP. You do. There's some um, tickets that are available. Um, they actually go on sale on our website in early January. Okay, very good. And if you've not done so already and you're checking out the podcast in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, the Apple logo there will take you over to the iTunes store where the Top Docs Radio Show podcast lives. And you can subscribe to us. That way, each week when the new episode comes out, it's downloaded straight to your device, ready for you to check out whenever it's convenient for you. And when you're listening, we hope you turn around and click share for us, put it out on on Facebook, put it out on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, We're all about trying to get the word out about services like this that are available to the community. So just clicking share, you might be putting information in the hands of somebody who means something to you that makes a big difference for them. So we'll say thanks very much to the people that do share our information like that. And make sure you get registered for the upcoming event in March to support the folks at Turning Point Breast Cancer Rehabilitation. Jill, thanks for taking some time to come in today and talk about what you all are doing. Thank you so very much for having me. I appreciate you being here. And everybody who made us a part of your day, thank you so much. Looking forward to catching up with you next time. We'll see you then. 